Welcome to Mobile Armor Radio, the podcast for all things mecha. Jump ship incoming. Welcome to Mobile Armor Radio, episode 47. It is May 2022. How the time flies. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm addicted to you because you know that I'm toxic. <laughs> Chopper. Who has a song stuck in his head. <laughs> He's Britney Spearsing it. Uh, I'm yeah. Britney Spears. Join the moment on the radio. That's that's the worst impression I've ever heard. Well, I don't Brittany, even know. She, you've I don't, got like a frog I, in your throat. I don't even know what she sounds like. That, that, in my head, that's what she sounds like. She's from <laughs> Texas. Is she from Texas? Enough about Britney Spears. No uh, this is a special episode. We have a great guest coming up later. But until then, we'll talk about other mech-related things. It's uh, a surprise. It's probably in the title, but it's, it's probably in the title of the show. <laughs> well, for those of us like me who can't read. Oh, you never learned to read. Anyways, <laughs> enough of this. Let's get on to the uh, dropship. Dropship landing. Welcome to the dropship. This is where we discuss what we're working on, what we're playing with, what we've bought lately. And we'll start with Brian. Brian, have you got anything new or exciting going on with the mech-related stuff? Uh, well, um, for for one thing, I I'm I'm feeling better than uh, than last time. Uh, I, yeah, I got so you're actually here. You're not. Oh, that's right. You got you out forgot. of that that mech. Yeah, you're you're no longer uh, encased in a mech that you where your vocal cords cut off. Is that's that right. what you guys told them? <laughs> well, that's yeah, what happened. I, so I we told them the truth. That's what happened. Yeah, we 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 saved your life by putting you in a mech. Oh, okay. That's, that's why you were covered. That's what it was. <laughs> yes. Um, you thought you were just but, in bed uh, under a blanket. No, you were in a giant mech. Well, well, yeah, uh, obviously. Um, <laughs> and uh, but as far as uh, like hobby stuff goes, um, trying to think. Uh, it's since it's been like for me, it's like been two months. Yeah. Uh, anything exciting, <laughs> Adepticon that you uh, got or anything like that? We never. You never uh, got I, to talk about Adepticon. I never really got to talk about Adepticon. Um, I had gotten um, mo- mostly like Dead Zone related stuff, honestly, uh, and and with the firefight announcement one night, I've been I've been focused a lot on terrain. Um, I there were some guys there that were uh, selling uh, these guys that um, Paradise uh, uh, Games, I think, is his uh, company. They they are basically making uh, their own like some of their own three D printed um, terrain. Uh, made for Dead Zone, with the the added thing being like that they'd incorporated like hatches and and internal stairwells and like LEDs and uh, and like actually like electric fans running on on the board. Uh, so really really neat ter- neat terrain ideas. And uh, and they actually were at Adepticon and had a little little booth where they were selling their stuff. And so I, I got a set of that. Uh, I haven't put it together yet, but I'm I'm excited to dig into it. Um, and then uh, the the guy who did um, a while back the isolation protocol, uh, his he, his company is uh, Corvus Terrain, um, and he actually has a Kickstarter going on right now for a new set of terrain packages called uh, like his Starport, uh, Tyco Starport, I think is the uh, the title for it. And so I've been I've been printing off like uh, the sample uh, STLs that he he made of that, but basically getting back into the the swing of of building out uh, some some terrain to make uh, all sorts of crazy 
cityscapes and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's been the extent of it. Um, a lot of my, uh, painting stuff has kind of been a little bit on hold, uh, but I, I imagine I'm going to be getting back into it here, uh, in the near future if I need to, especially if I need to, uh, build out my force for, for firefight, uh, from Mantic games. Uh, I, I've got a lot of GCPS to paint cause they, uh, yeah. They How do you big, feel that there's no rebs? There's no rebs in the uh, in firefight. How does that make you feel? I I am I am sad. Uh, I I am, you know, I I'm internalizing a lot of that. Uh, I I don't blame people uh, or anything like that. I know oh, I know I, I know would blame that, all kinds oh, I blame of people. people. <laughs> I know like the 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 real reason. Uh, I I don't agree with all the reasons that people keep saying it's like oh the the rebs would never you know have a standing force at that scale. And I'm like. Yeah, but we like watching Star Wars, and exactly. make a difference. those guys, you know, you, Ever- you play Star Wars Legion, uh, you know, what scales that at, guys? You, you don't overthrow a, a regime with just 10 guys. Right, right. <laughs> That's um, the bottom line. That's really what it is. So, so I'm, I'm going to abide my so time cool. a little bit, and you know what? Uh, uh, the last, last time Firefight, first edition came out, uh, one of the players at, at Adepticon, uh, had done like a Rebs themed GCPS force, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and on top of that, it was all like Guardians of the Galaxy themed. Uh, I think it was uh, John Carter, <laughs> and uh, it was it was he, sweet. He only lost uh, out on uh, winning the uh, best painted because he. Uh, he faked a sound card into the ship, the, uh, the Bolano. <laughs> We're like, oh, this is so amazing. He's got sounds and everything. And it turned out he just had his uh, cell phone in there. We're like, you trying to cheat us. <laughs> <laughs> trying to cheat us. Classic oh, yeah. John Carter. But, uh, but no, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, doing that. And, and then as well, uh, speaking of Rebs, uh, you know, there's a, there's a Dead Zone summer campaign coming up. So I might have to uh, – that will be coming up this month, actually. I almost May. thought you said – uh, dead Zone Summer Camp. I'm like, what? Summer Camp. Go away <laughs> Dude, for two weeks. That to would dead be zone. sweet. Uh, my wife would hate it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no. So so definitely have more projects uh, on the burner, and uh, and you know especially with hopefully the weather starts turning nice, uh, start getting things like primed and painted again, and and uh, and enjoying. <laughs> Going down in my basement where hopefully it won't be as cold. Or maybe it will still be cold when it's in summer. <laughs> so, That's right. Nicely um, cold, not that, freezing to death cold. Exactly. That's enough for me. How about you, ba- uh, Pat? Uh, did you just call me babe? I thought he said babe. No, That's I, funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, well hey, sweetie, let me tell you what's going on. <laughs> Uh, not too much, actually. Uh, since the last time we talked, uh, we knew that the hobby in this was going to have to come rather quickly. Uh, so the long, arduous reorganizing of the basement is started to happen now because mm-hmm. a lot of things from the upstairs got thrown to the downstairs during the, the renovation. <laughs> uh, so now that the upstairs is uh, renovated and semi-organized... Now I'm either throwing stuff away or bringing stuff back upstairs and kind of cleaning out the... Making it all messy again, much to your chagrin of your wife? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, a lot of stuff we're going to be tossing. There's a lot of ex furniture stuff, like that couch on there. I think we're just going to get rid of. Um, oh. Well, you know, she, you know, you know, my wife. Those who about my normal wife, she when she draws something on a piece of paper and is planned it out that there's that's what it's going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> and so my my couch and my favorite recliner uh, are not <laughs> going to survive. They're not in the picture. No. <laughs> so those got to come out of the basement and either got to go to the curb or to the Goodwill, which I haven't figured out I'm going to do yet. Uh, so there's some big moves and some big cleans to be done left before I can actually get to the paint. Uh, but I'm hoping that within the next week or two, I got uh, a long stretch off, but most of that's covered or taken up with uh, little wars that are happening this weekend. Or last uh, weekend, by the time this comes out. Yes. Hmm. Uh, coupled with Adepticon just being around, the, uh, just happening. Um, busy. It's a busy time of the year. It's been a busy time. Uh, but that's not to say I didn't do anything. So uh, I did, uh, in my reorganizing of things, I did find the legendary MechWarrior box set. I was like, oh, that would be a nice, easy, quick project to mess around with up here while, uh, before I get downstairs. So... I started painting uh, the Great Death Legion mech, uh, Grayson. I uh, started painting his mech on uh, on my desk here, nice. much to my wife's anger. Because <laughs> it's nice. You are painting. Why are you painting upstairs? Because I can't so, paint downstairs. I can't see the downstairs. <laughs> that's cool. So, uh, but that's roughly it. Uh, yeah. My, I have two big goals get that basement done. Get that stupid Neo, Neo Jean, not, not stupid, but it's because it's been a dream model, but get that Neo <laughs> Jean done. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I called you stupid. Please forgive yeah. me. <laughs> it's just so big, and there's so many parts to it. Oh, my it is, God. It is a, uh, a a project. It's daunting. Yes. Uh, but uh, but that's that's it in a nutshell. That's all I've got done. Uh, for me, I haven't done much. I haven't painted in forever. I got We got to get back painting sometime. We got to do hobby hangouts again because uh, I haven't painted yeah. anything in forever. But I did uh, print three D print so iMac. I backed Kickstarter for it's called uh, Carbon Gray. It's a role playing game, but it was originally it was a uh, image comic book, and it's it's kind of like an alternative sci fi steampunky World War One. But uh, mm. it ha- it has it- it's so funny that in the in the Kickstarter there's uh, STL files so I they uh, provide it and it's all the different characters you could be in the role playing game and stuff plus there was this mech but uh, in the when I read the uh, it- the uh, Kickstarter came with the graphic novel so I read the graphic novel and this mech shows up for literally like two seconds and gets destroyed <laughs> it's so funny so, <laughs> but it was it was fun to print it's kind of cool looking it's like a a quadrupedal mech. And uh, the post is up on the Facebook group if you want to go see it. But, uh, yeah, so it's kind of fun. I did that. That's about it. Yeah, I haven't done anything else. I haven't even printed that many mechs. I haven't I haven't done anything. I've been printing a lot of uh, X-Men. That's about it. So, <laughs> they don't count. <laughs> Must uh, be Sentinels. Yeah, I, I did do Sentinels. We, we talked about those before. Uh, we'll move on to the Comstar. There's a lot more to talk about the Comstar, hopefully. So, we'll get on to that. We'll be right back. Oh, good book. Message from Comstar. I'm Brian. And I'm Rick. From Deads on the Podcast. And you're listening to... Mobile Armor Radio. And welcome back to the Comstar. We talk about movies, TV, com- books, comic books, RPGs, video games, that kind of stuff. 
Uh, we'll start with Pat this time. Anything happening, Pat? No, not too much. Uh, I got five minutes into the new Pacific Rim Black. I've been the whole season. How dare you not? And then, well, the problem is I was going to start to watch it, and then I got... Don't tell anyone at work, but I was watching it at work, and then I had to go take care of something. <laughs> yeah, and actually do something. <laughs> <laughs> I had... So I was five minutes into it when I had to actually get back to work. Yeah. It is so, and then... Then I got busy, and then I never got a chance to go back. Uh, yes, I watched the whole thing just to jump on it, and uh, it's depressing, and then in like happy, and then sad, and then really sad, and it's a good show. <laughs> they wrapped it up. You could tell that they they had to wrap it up quick. I think they assumed that they'd maybe have more than two seasons, but still, it had an ending, so it's all right. Nice. It, no, it's uh, kind of funny when, with with the, to jump on that one too because it is actually one of mine. Uh, is that while I was sick, uh, I actually finished watching season one. I don't. It, this would, must have been right before season two came out because <laughs> that, I watched all of it and then passed out. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, the season one that was pretty good. I wonder when I'll, I'll just wait till season two comes out. Well, now it's out. So and now it's out. So it's good. You get right into it. I had to like sit there for a second. What happened in season one? Yeah, be right in there. Ah, we didn't mean to jump on you, Pat. What else? You, I know you got your red line in. You gonna talk about that? I got. Yeah, I got my red line. I was gonna talk about that. Uh, I got my red line cards. Uh, I haven't actually, I hadn't actually had a chance to play a game yet with the new expansions. Uh, but I did kind of swap some cards out of my U United. Uh, what is it again? United Nations of the Earth. Yeah, U and E. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. Uh, I'm very curious to try that out some more. I know our good buddy Jack Johnson, not to be in. confused with Jan Jack, uh, but uh, he jumped in. He bought the uh, corset. Actually, I, he was going to pay me back, but it was his birthday the day it arrived. Oh, so nice. I, I gave it. So I gave him the corset that he was going to buy for his birthday. Cool. Uh, so you have somebody to play with at least. Nice. Yeah, Happy so, birthday, Jack Johnson. <laughs> so when we, next time we meet, we'll be able to play, uh, and I'll have the little Siege cards in there. We'll see if it unbalances it yeah, a little get, bit. Siege adds uh, artillery and mines, which is kind of interesting, and different uh, yeah. new uh, uh, new, new uh, settings and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, we were told it shouldn't unbalance the game, right? Oh no, it should be fine. Uh, Cameron, Cameron talked to us about it, and he says it shouldn't. Nah, it shouldn't be like a deck creep or anything kind of a thing like you would get with Magic. I think it's just more uh, of the same, just different. Just add a little bit of a extra flair. I got new, new generals uh, and stuff, which is cool. Yes. Uh, continuing on with Kickstarters, I got my fifty-one fifty uh, warfare books, uh, Mech Warfare. What do we, what do we call it again? <laughs> Yeah, the, um, uh, yeah, fifty-one. I got. Yeah. I didn't get the actual. You got the PDFs books, books, for it, but I got yeah. the PDFs. So, uh, downloaded those and kind of just gave a cursory glance through. I didn't get to do a, a full sit down. Because you played um, it before, you just played the older version of it. Uh, yeah, but I think this uh, doing a cursory glance, it looks like it might have changed a little bit uh, because uh, you got it's fifty-one fifty total war. Then you have the three books, the Star Army, the Star Navy, and the uh, 
Mexican Infantry oh. or something it's called, I think. Yeah, Mexican Infantry or something like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it's Total War, a Star Army Total War. That gives you the infantry. Then you add the Total War tanks and mechs. Tanks and, and then the Star Navy, which gives you air and space fighting. Uh, so it, it looks a little bit different, I think, uh, off uh, cursory glance. So uh, the cool thing is that you can use this for 28 or 15 millimeters now that, that they were talking about in the rule of it. So that's cool. Uh, as I probably next month, I should have these things perused in a more, cause I just got these maybe two or three days ago. Um, gotcha. As P, uh, the PDF links, uh, right now, I think he was in it, having problems with, uh, a printer. Uh, he seemed to be very upset about the, mm-hmm. uh, not with the community itself, but I guess with the production of the books itself. So I think maybe by running into some problems with that. Mm. Uh, so he got the PDFs out ASAP. Uh, things are at the printers and they should be coming out. The books should be coming out fairly soon. He said, so yeah, I think uh, there was another issue was with international shipping. I think he's just like, if you're not in the United States and Canada, I'm sorry. I just can't send it to you in a physical copy. Cause it's just too expensive. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember he did send that email out and said, he goes, I'll refund you your money. If you pledge for the books, uh, mm-hmm. I'll refund your money and give you the PDFs, but I just can't do international shipping right now. I remember that. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, it's just gone through the roof. It's just gotten ridiculous. It is, and, and, and you know, I don't, I don't fault him for that. And you know, yeah. kudos to him for offering a refund at least to the guys that are outside. And I'm sure it wasn't uh, that many, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, it just yeah. sucks that you can't, you can't get this. You know, you can't get your product out of to whatever right, country get, because you're shit. still getting the PDF. Which nowadays, per, personally, I like having the books as a collector. But when I when I want a game, I like the PDF better because you can search it. It's so much easier to flip yes. through a PDF than it is a book. Well, it's it's fifty fifty, I guess. Sometimes, Sometimes. the book's easier. Yeah, <laughs> matters how really well the PDF is linked to you. But uh, so again, I am excited because you know we we had a whole show of miniature agnostics, and we have a ton of stuff we can play around with this game. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we can three D print fifteen millimeter infantry troops, and then we can get it going. Yeah. 15 mil, well, or you could just buy, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Flames of War. They're 15 millimeter, I think. That's true. They look uh, close but that, yeah, that's all I got, though. Brian, how about uh, you? You've watched anything, seen anything, done anything? Well, uh, like I, I kind of mentioned before, uh, I did, I did finally finish season one of Pacific Rim Black, uh, which was, which was a, a very interesting, uh, now, now that I, I'm caught up and can talk about it a little bit, like I won't, I won't spoil anything, but it definitely takes that that franchise in a, a very uh, unique direction that I, I didn't expect. Um, but Wait season two, at the same, <laughs> at the same time, like uh, definitely not opposed to it. So um, it seems like they they have a pretty good handle on on you know kind of what they want uh, to do with it, and uh, it it's still kind of kind of that wonderfully strange. Uh, kind of thing that I think you know appeals to that that Guillermo crowd. Yeah. Um, it's a, it uh, definitely became much more anime. Like it it went into hmm. full anime series where they could do stuff that they could never have done in the movies in this uh, cartoon for sure. So yeah, it's exciting. Um, Although I'd like to see some of it live action. Some of it would be pretty cool, I think. But oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, 
to to talk a little bit about um, the the uh, I, I was going to mention the some some of the Adepticon stuff uh, is is kind of the only other uh, thing I I got going on. I did finish playing uh, through Mass Effect One on the Legendary Edition, so that was that was a fun time. Um, <laughs> d- waiting waiting to start it. The first game doesn't have as many mechs in it. Uh, they still have the Geth, which is their kind of robot alien race. Um, but the the second one is where we uh, and and third one we start getting more like stompy robots uh, that our our heroes are fighting against. Um, but uh, as far as Adepticon stuff uh, that I wanted to mention, I, in case you guys uh, didn't get to, um, wanted to to give a quick little shout out to. Uh, the Mantix Overdrive game, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is a, a fun little um, like arena. Uh, it, it for those uh, that are kind of familiar with uh, Dreadball, this is like the halftime show, which is is a battle between the giants uh, of that that game series. So uh, it's all hex uh, like hex grid based. So it's all six sided. Uh, hexes and then um but they're they're the big uh the big beasties uh that stomp around in there so you have like giant turtles you got giant robots uh and and all sorts of other goodies uh we ran i think two two demos of that and uh everyone that came and played it absolutely loved it it has some really fun mechanics as far as like they have a draft mechanic so you're never uh, you're not necessarily going to play the same team each time. You know, one player gets to pick, and then they get to our kind of red rover. <laughs> the rest of the players onto their team, uh, and it's it's three three uh, players versus uh, three players on and a couple of different uh, scenarios. So that was a lot of fun, um, and I think people really enjoyed it. So I think that one's worth checking out if uh, if that sounds like it appeals to you. And then um, another one that was. Because uh, I, I was basically uh, hanging out in the the hallway outside of where where a lot of the Mantic games were going on because I was running the the Hellboy stuff, uh, but I did get to glance. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, Pat. They did um, a Mech Attack game, which was a, a 28 millimeter scale. Ooh. Uh, so so Mech Attack. Uh, I was I kind of did some research on it afterwards is like this uh, another kind of agnostic style game. Uh, it's kind of just a general rule set, but it sounds like it has different scales you can play at. And so there is a group there that uh, ran a, a scenario for, for players. They had a big table. Um, I want to say, it, man, it must have been... I must have missed it because I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, I think it was only there for one day or so i'm trying to i got a little article um that i found on it uh i want to say this table is like it's at least four by four if not six by six um and so it's it's they made a big cityscape it's 28 millimeter scale and but it, it has you know 28 millimeter people and then like the equivalents of they basically they're running like vf ones as the mechs, but to that to that 28 millimeter scale, so these things are as big as the buildings they have for scenery. Uh, it was I, I only got to like glance over at it, but um, 
it looks like it was it was a lot of fun uh and you know if nothing else it was really cool to look at because uh, they they had varying scales um within that battle so it's like you have you have troops that are like like i said 28 millimeters and then you have some units that are probably about uh, like a 60 millimeter base uh that are that are about like a strider size um and then and then you have the okay we have a vf1 here uh and it, it's like two stories tall <laughs> um so I'll send you guys a link to it because this was this was really neat to to see. Yeah, it'd be great to see it because I must I didn't see it I must have missed it. I didn't, but then I got a lot of chance to get up there. Yeah, it was it was at I'm trying to think what day because it was at the big Kings of War tables after they were done. So it must have been Saturday then. Yeah, it must have been Saturday when they were actually playing Kings of War. Um, but no, this was a really neat neat thing. I, I guess they've done it a couple of years in the past. Um, and this was kind of a big return for them. So, uh, it was really neat to check out. So, uh, definitely keep your eyes out on the game. I'll have to, to look into it and see, you know, how it plays, but yeah, it's really cool. I, stuff. I, I found it on uh, war games vault. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, six bucks. So there you go. If anybody's interested yeah. <laughs> in some mech action, we do have an affiliate link. If anybody's interested, they can, uh, <laughs> it's called mech. It's called mech's action, right? Uh, mech Armor grid. Armored Grid, Armor Grid Mech Attack is what the game's called. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I guess in the past they used dust models at, at Depticon. I, I found a post about them using dust models. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so we'll probably post the, the link to that uh, right up in, in the, the show notes there. But uh, otherwise, that that really kind of encompasses a lot of what I had going on. Um, like, like the rest of you guys, it, it's been a, a crazy couple months. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, so I, I guess I'll pass it back to you, Rob. I'm sure you have a, a bunch of announcements. Uh, yeah, lots of news, but, uh, I will say the only thing I really did was watch uh, Pacific Rim. I binged the whole thing and it was fun and, uh, people should watch it. But, uh, <laughs> up for, uh, for Pat, I'm sure you're excited about this, but Shin Ultraman has come out, a trailer released. Oh yeah. I watched that trailer like about a hundred times already. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. So it's it's the live action version of Ultraman, but they're doing it like the Shin Godzilla, where it's uh, more realistic. I think is that the Shin is. Yeah. Either hopefully I can find a dubbed or subtitled version. I'm sure it'll come out in North America. People are obsessed with, uh, especially with the uh, Netflix having the anime. So I'm sure it'll be, and I'm sure it'll probably end up being on Netflix eventually anyway. So the dubbed or subbed. Uh, speaking of Netflix, though, uh, Love, Death, and Robots season three is coming this month from uh, from the old Netflix. It's uh, not always giant stompy robots, but there have been some episodes with them in it. But there's also been great animes in general. Some hits, some mm-hmm. mostly mostly really amazing art, like at least. Yeah. So some really visually visually uh, compelling things. Yeah. So it's that's always fun. Yeah. Uh. Also, they, they, Kickstarter- they actually oh. re- released a, a little trailer for it, but uh, they mostly had clips yeah. from their previous seasons. I didn't, I didn't really see any new clips in it. No, I got, I, I don't think they've uh, released anything from the new stuff yet. Yeah, it was all, it was like, look what we used to do. So hopefully, <laughs> get some new stuff. Wow, it's coming out this month anyway, so we'll watch it when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, we won't have to wait long. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, lastly, uh, Robotech Macross Dogfight from Kids Logic is on Kickstarter. 
Uh, it's the same Macross minis that Pat and I have been collecting for a while. Uh, a few new things, like you can get the SDF-1 and stuff, but it's their game. Uh, it's kind of The game kind of reminds me of uh, X-Wing a bit. It's got like uh, movement angle angles, or what are they called? The arcs and stuff. Movement templates. Yeah. I I'm not too crazy about... Like the game... They're not a game company. They're they're a really a, a yeah, statue company that started it, making miniatures, but it, I don't know if it's going to fund. Uh, I think it's I think it's funded, but it's it's pretty yeah, expensive. I found it then. Yeah, it, it definitely funded, but it's uh. Is it funded? It's not oh, it is funded. Like I was looking the, at it. For the basic game, it's uh, it's only like you only get like four mechs or something in it, so it's that's kind of low. But once you go up higher levels, there it gets expensive, but you do get a lot more stuff. And if you haven't been oh, like Jesus. me and Pat, I'm sure we've. It's also paid. it's also in Hong Kong dollars. Yeah, well, it's in it's from Hong Kong. Good logic is in Hong Kong. Uh, but Pat and I have collected these miniatures. I'm sure you could get them cheaper through this Kickstarter than you would the way we were doing it. So if that's if that's all you want the miniatures, it's probably worth it. But but uh, yeah, don't be afraid. It's not uh, Palladium. <laughs> so many people are t- are like, oh, I don't want to do another uh, Robotech Kickstarter. It's like totally different company, and these guys have already made these miniatures for like five years. They have years the SDF one <laughs> though. Did you see that? I know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was the only it was only for the early bird, right? I think you can buy it as an uh, add-on. Early bird all-in, early bird deluxe, yeah. early bird collectors. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I <laughs> you already own it all. You don't need it. I know, but that I don't have that SDF one. <laughs> you have a three D printer. I'm sure you could get an SDF one if you really wanted it. Just saying. I think you can. I mean, get I, mean S- I mean, the the model quality does look pretty awesome. Like, not gonna lie. Um, and 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 like oh, cool. I, I all these models, so that's the thing. That's the part that kills me. True. <laughs> um, and and I I for one like I I never really played X Wing. Um, it like looking at uh, how how some of the game plays uh, that they've they've kind of shown so far. It does sound uh, kind of neat, like the 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 movements, um, arcs and stuff like that. The fact that that's kind of tied to an elevation. Uh, component was something that I've always uh, thought would be really kind of the next step of like space combat games, uh, which are often just 2D. And it's like, well, space, like the big well, thing about it is that it's three dimensionals. That's um, that's X-Wing. X-Wing does uh, heights too, so. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was mentioning that to my buddy Rick the other day, and he's like, well, that's like X-Wing. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it seems to me that they've really... They played one game and it was X-wing and they just kind of stole the. <laughs> I'm, stealing is oh, a hard word. If you're <laughs> they, gonna, if you're gonna steal, you know, steal mechanics. Two uh, giant know. spaceships. What are the two giant spaceships? Uh, I think there's a Zentradi one. I yeah. see Zentradi. I see an SDF one. That's two. <laughs> well, the the pledge is for two, but in their all in addition, it says three giant spaceships. What's the Maybe third you get one? Maybe you get two. Uh, I think the two SDF ones. Or the two yeah, I, different, I think, different forms. I think one's the ship mode and one's the... Oh, it's the robot form, a yeah. battleoid SDF mm-hmm. one. Got it. Anyways, if, you, if you're into the miniatures, it's probably worth it. Like I say, it's it's already had most of these, other than the SDF one. So. Yeah. I think we got them all except for the SDF one. We do indeed. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, they're amazing well, miniatures. Like, they are such a sucker. 
they are beautiful, but yeah, so you can add the Battleoid for 60 bucks. So you can get the Zentradi flagship for 60 bucks. It's uh they're both 150 uh millimeters high, which isn't that's not crazy high, but definitely not the scale. <laughs> no. You can replace your uh card <sighs> In your attack on SDF one, you can replace the cardboard one. See, with the, uh... that's not helping. That's not helping. <laughs> you can pledge for one dollar and then just uh, get that. Actually, I don't know if you can. No, you can't. Uh, Twelve dollars. Uh, yeah, dollars is the, is the minimum. It's well, uh, it's twelve US. No, it's HK ten. Is it says about two dollars Canadian? Two two HS. There are two two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars so American. You can you can get in there and so for sixty two dollars you can get a. Uh, the SF one in, in battle mode. If I'm gonna do that though, I'd probably just get the game and try it out. <laughs> for two hundred and fifty bucks. No, no, a uh, hundred. I wouldn't pay for all the figs, and then I would add the the SDF one and then the kick in the in the pledge manager. If for the for the two fifty, you get the SDF one and the other ship though. I don't know, but the, or I just do one twenty. <laughs> Rob, add, you're a bad add, influence. <laughs> and then add the other ones. Two fifty is a lot though, because it's gonna give me the six. It's gonna give me just the remodeling his basement, man. 450, you get the SDF-1 in uh, ship mode. And I'd get all the Vertex. Oh, shit, I'm doing all of this. <laughs> what's, what's the there goes his retirement. Yeah. 400, for $450, I'd get all of it. You get good thing that overtime money pays good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's true. Pat will be working another couple of weeks to uh, pay for this one. Anyways, I thought I'd just let you know about that, Pat, but... Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, that's about it. I haven't done anything else in playing any games or anything. So let's uh, move on to the Mech Bay Hangar. We have a special guest, uh, Will from Ignition Core Games, to talk about Ignition Core, the mech game. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Sound good? Ignition Core. He's going to hire you to do his, uh, his trailers. But that needs to be followed up with some kind of engine starting up, like either some kind of space engine. Or mech engine. Brian mech engine noise. <laughs> Room. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now entering the mech bay hangar. And welcome to the mech bay hangar. We have a special guest this week, this month, I guess. It's a monthly podcast. We screw this up all the time. It's all good. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Will Neal from uh, Ignition uh, Core Games here to talk about his new mech game. How's it going, Will? Hey, guys. Uh, it's going great. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely I discovered the Mobile Armor uh, Radio podcast through my sculptor, actually, the guy that makes all my miniatures. Nice. And I thought I'd reach out on a long shot that you guys actually might want to uh, endure my obnoxious personality for a <laughs> for time while, while I gush about my game. You know, the, the greatest big giant robot miniatures game ever that yeah. you've never heard of. <laughs> Definitely. No worries, uh, man. We're always excited when we find a new mech game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the game is Ignition Core. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with it, um, I wanted to do something different from what was out in the market. I think mech gaming is, like, criminally underrepresented in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that video game space or the tabletop game space, um, I don't think I've ever played a good Mobile Suit Gundam video game. <laughs> so, um, they are few and far between. That is true. You know, um, I would say they suffer the same curse that uh, the Alien and Aliens movies did, particularly the James Cameron movie Aliens with the Colonial Marines and everything. Um, mm. 
they functioned great in the medium they were created in, and they inspired a lot of great video games and other source material, but they never were able to translate out of their original medium, which, you know, Aliens, it was movies, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, it was, you know, a great anime franchise, um, and it is the, the number one inspiration for Ignition Core, but, you know, I never played a good Mobile Suit Gundam video game, and I couldn't find any tabletop games. I mean, I found one in development, and I actually know the uh, the person who's behind that project who collaborated and become good friends, but I'm not here to talk about that tonight. Um, <laughs> no, Ignition Core. Um, so if you're curious, if you want to take a look at the art, ignitioncoregames.com, all one word, uh, you'll see it wears its inspiration on its sleeve. It's very Mobile Suit Gundam anime-inspired. But in terms of the gameplay, um, where do I start? Um, mech games on the tabletop. Mech Warrior. Um, I've always been interested in Mech Warrior, but I could never find a community. Tabletop miniatures gaming communities are dominated by other game systems. I won't, you know, I won't name names, but it's really hard to get into anything that's niche like that or Infinity mm-hmm. or anything of that nature. Uh, the rules, the rules for Mech Warrior read like they were written by accountants. You know, yeah. So, yeah, teaching it's, it's it a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah, it's not clear. Yeah. That's for sure. Learning and teaching it can be prohibitive. Uh, and then I always felt like the Mech Warrior mechs were a little bit, um, they were not to my liking, you know, not to my style. They look like Lockheed Martin um, got the contract <laughs> to make mechs, and they made very practic- practical, realistic mechs. Yeah. And for someone who grew up on Gundam, who grew up on Voltron, um, who grew up on uh, Xenogears, you know, Xenogears mm-hmm. is a all-time favorite uh, video game of mine, you know, um, normal utilitarian military mechs is just, isn't going to fly with me. Plus on top of that, you know, I've been in the military myself for over 15 years and mm-hmm. you know, I've had my, I've had an overdose of realistic. If yeah. That I was going to say you, you want to get over to that yeah. area. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't um, hang up my uniform at the end of the day, come home to play call of duty. I want to, I want yeah. a big jump kind of inspired mechs. Um, I want them on the tabletop. I want a core rule set that you can read once and never have to read again. So if you look at the rules for Ignition Core, it's eight pages long. Um, and anything that makes the game like niche or situational is on the individual data cards. Um, I definitely wanted a miniature style that's very reminiscent of the 16-bit tactics and RPG games. Yeah, that's I what I noticed with, so. when I saw that first. I was like, wow, this looks a lot like tactics games. Yep, that's the very first thing I thought of. <laughs> Absolutely, it should it should evoke something out of Final Fantasy Tactics, but with mechs. Mm-hmm. Or you know, some people look at it and they see Metal Slug. Um, yeah, you know, I can see that. Things of that nature. the The other thing is in a game, say like Mech Warrior, where it's all a bunch of big mechs, is there's no size comparison. So you know, you have a bunch, you have a mech suit game where it's all mechs, nothing else, and you don't really have an idea of size. So I intentionally put. Um, I made what I've coined, I've called it the armored fire team. The armored fire team is the force structure in this game. You have your big mech that is piloted and it's on a 75 millimeter base. You've got two support mechs that are drones that go on a 50 millimeter base and they're about two thirds the size. And then there's infantry, uh, infantry that are on 25 millimeter bases. So you can see the big mech right next to the infantry and instantly be like, okay, this mech is the size of a small building. And then 
you've got your airship, which you use to ferry your troops up the board, because this isn't just line up your miniatures and roll dice till everything falls over. It's a game of tactical objective grabbing. And I, what I've found that a lot of people love is that the infantry are squishy but formidable, and they, you absolutely have to support the infantry to claim the objectives. And I wanted that interesting dynamic. You know, I've seen a lot of games fail because it's like I line up my models, you know, line up your models, and they move toward each other, and we chuck dice until nothing's left standing. <laughs> so I wanted a bit of that, um, bit more tactical consideration than that. And yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. Um, I found that working on... I've worked on some other games, campaign-based games. Um, I do have an RPG, a solo co-op self-DMing RPG set in the Ignition Core universe that's in the works. And if nice. you look on my Instagram, um, I guess we'll be posting links in the podcast, right? Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. For show notes, yep. Okay, perfect. If you go look at the Instagram, you'll see some more, um, I want to call heroic-scale anime miniatures of both the, the heroes and the mechs, uh, and that's in the works for the the RPG. Gotcha. So, yeah, um, I've kind of just ran my mouth like <laughs> pretty well here. I'm, I'm curious what, uh, what you guys would like to know about this, aside from what I've kind of blurted out on the front end here. Well, there is a few well, left. Well, go ahead, Brian. You can go first. Well, I, I, I definitely, like... It's fun hearing that your your sculptor is is uh, a, a fan of the show because I gotta say like the the aesthetic uh, that you've got I I don't know if you if you've listened before but I am a big fan of like the chibi uh, style uh, uh, for you know big heads and and smaller bodies and stuff I know Pat's Pat's not as as big a fan <laughs> of it but but uh, no like the the style like absolutely speaks to me uh, you, you definitely get a great uh, like not even just mobile suit Gundam, but like Gundam Wing, uh, and like you're saying, Metal Slug, uh, a good Xeno Gears and and Armored Core. Like all these all these things are really influences in there, and uh, it, it, some really really stunning uh, designs. Uh, I absolutely love love the look of this game. Oh, thank you. And you know, to that end, I tried to make my goal was to make four very distinct factions. Mm-hmm. But the Paladin faction obviously calls out to Mobile Suit Gundam. Yes. Uh, yeah. People have looked at it and they've said, "Okay, like, um, who is it that did?" I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. The guy that was behind the Ghost in the Shell designs, um, uh, Shiro Masamune. Yep, Masamune Shiro. So um, there are people that look at the Oni faction and they feel mm-hmm. that calls out a little bit more to uh, Masamune Shiro. Um, the Valkyrie faction, someone looked at that and they said, okay, that looks, that reminded them of Xenogears. That wasn't exactly what I was going for with that specific faction. I mean, they're, um, you know, it's the all-girls faction, they're synthetics, uh, it's really, you know, waifu Viking murder dolls, but <laughs> it works and people love it. And then the the last faction, the Nephilim faction, is more kind of desert insurgency based and you know their tech is a little bit more like clunky which i think i'm trying to think and i'm blanking on it Gus, was it gasaraki was the um the one mech desert uh desert based mech anime where they were integrating um you know middle eastern warfare and mechs i think so yeah that name rings a bell i i haven't seen the show myself but i know of it yeah, Gasaraki. I'm looking at it. I'm actually looking at it right now. So 
you know, there was a bit more of that Gasaraki influence pulled. Um, some people actually looked at the Nephilim faction and were getting, um, man, I should like write down all the inspiration <laughs> that other other people have pulled from this as well. Uh, Mass Effect. A lot of people looked at that faction and said this. Reminds me, you know, the the robot specifically, and even the the pilot for the Nephilim Warlord class mech, uh, they got a very Mass Effect vibe off of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad you like it. I definitely wanted to capture those very anime robot vibes and then just have a little bit of fun with each faction. Yeah, for sure. And then if you look at the um, if you look at the chibi style on it, I use what I would call um, a heroic chibi. So the head. <laughs> yeah. Slightly exaggerated, but not excessively yeah. exaggerated. Exactly. It, it, it was what I was saying. It totes a thin line for me. <laughs> on the yeah. good side. On the good side. I'm, I'm glad to hear Not that. huge yeah. enough that it really goes yeah. where it gets me, it turns me off, I should say. I mean, because I really am not into that chibi look in itself, uh, even though I know it's very, very popular. Yeah, it's not quite the yeah. super deformed. It's more of, yeah, like you say, tactic style, which I I really appreciate that. Exactly, yeah, I really want yeah, to... Yeah, it does I, get that Final Fantasy grab, for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely what I was going for, so definitely um, glad to hear that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what else before I, you know, because I, I, could, I could eat up an entire half hour just gushing about this game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to, to hear from you all. Well, the thing that really struck me was the, uh, you have some pretty innovative rules, like uh, the initiative phase is... That's something I've never seen anywhere else, which I think is very cool. Would you like to describe oh. your uh, your thoughts behind uh, making that? Yes. So, um, first off, I'm glad you brought up the initiative phase because when I get this in front of when I demo this game to people, um, everyone like they love it in theory, and then they get into the initiative phase in practice, and they're like, "Wow, this is a game within the game." You know, the first <laughs> the first time they're rolling that initiative phase, um, and for those of you that are not that haven't read the rules, essentially it's a nine, it's an initiative tracker running zero through nine and each player is rolling three D 10 to secure three places on that initiative tracker. And then you're committing your, your troop types. So your infantry to one slot, your pilot to another slot, your mechs, your support mechs to another slot. Uh, I have played a lot of tabletop games where it's just a simple, you move everything you've got. I move everything I've got. And we're just playing this battle of attrition, and usually there's a 60% or higher win ratio to whoever just takes turn one. Because they bring their forces to bear, uh, they blow a chunk in their opponent's army, and then that player then activates all their units, but with a diminishing return. Um, I thought I could do something more dynamic. And it's it's also different from I Go, You Go, too, which I think is awesome. Like that's people are like or you said everybody's sick of everybody goes and the other person goes, but everybody's kind of moving just to you go I go. This is even more unique. So it's like it could you could have two guys go in a row, but you could also have the whole other team go first if you roll poorly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has it has some games that shake it just shakes out like that. Like one person takes all the first spots, the other person takes all the last spots, um, but. You know, fortunately, the missions are built in such a way that you could take all the last spots and still dominate. I mean, I personally, I love to get at least one initiative roll that's on the zero spot or at the very last. Because, you know, this game is about supporting your infantry to get them on the objectives and using your big stompy robots to provide that fire support. So, 
I'll slap my infantry. If I get the last, if I get the first spot in the last spot, yeah. you know, sometimes that's great. But also, I wanted a game where you have to think about all your unit placement. Like, okay, this is the first round. The second round, I might roll really poorly on initiative, <laughs> and or I might poorly is a nebulous word too because sometimes yeah. fun if you're like all your units are going last sometimes that's an advantage you know you yeah, use you your mic hide all your everything it's built so everything can hide so even your big mech can hide behind a building and hey i'm going last but i've got a i've got a jetpack a ged and give them hell attitude i'm gonna fly out here and <laughs> you know count because you move poorly when you were moving so yeah, you can react it's to what they do instead of uh, have to think what to go first, yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I I wanted something... Describing how I came up with that initiative tracker is hard to do because I feel <laughs> like the, the creative process... I, there's a lot going on upstairs that I just can't explain to you guys. I, <laughs> you know, like a lot of um, a lot of war games are antiquated. A lot of skirmish games are antiquated. Um, and they're all following the same tried and true. You know, like, how many more Warhammer clones uh, do we need? So, right. you know, I decided to do something a little different with that. But then also, I didn't want the, the same old, same old uh, structure of roll to hit, roll to wound, roll to make an armor save. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I mean... That's the next thing I was going to talk to you about is the, the way the things attack. That's that's really unique also. Oh, yeah. Um, the hit chart was something that... Um, like, I'm all about cutting steps out, right? Um, can I give something an agility stat without giving it an agility stat? <laughs> you know, hey, I'm rolling a burst roll to see how much, how many how many bursts do I want to fire from my minigun? Okay, I'm going to fire one, two, or three. I'm going to deplete my ammunition source by that amount and roll that many D10s. Well, that D10s generates a number of D8s, so people love exploding dice. Mm. Oh, yeah. Roll three, and it turns into five or eight or ten dice. Mm-hmm. Now, take those D because, A, I've rolled so many D6 in my time on the table, I want to roll something different. Roll some D10s, <laughs> roll some D10s, cram a couple of... D- I'm not going to try and get the whole polyhedral dice set into this game, but I can do D10s and D8s. Well, the D8s just work really well for hit locations. You know, um, A high agility unit might be an infantry unit where one through five is a miss. Six and seven hits the torso, eight hits the head, so the infantry are innately squishy, but... We also know that in an urban combat environment, infantry are smaller, they're nimble, and they're probably hugging all the obstacles and microterrain they can. Um, I could give them a, an agility stat and create another math equation, mm-hmm. or I can give each model a hit chart. And yeah, this is what great. you need to roll each location. And there's no math involved. Uh, there's I cut down on the core rules, read it once and then never again, unless, you know you're playing a rules lawyer and then the rules are there, but you know, and Hey, rules lawyers are good. Rules lawyers keep us honest when we're on the table. So, um, yeah, uh, to an extent, it depends on the flavor of rules lawyer. There are some that are trying to, as long as they are trying to read the rules and not twist the rules. I I, I love, I love a good rules lawyer. They keep us honest at the table. Um, Especially for a game designer, you have to you have to write in the way to avoid misunderstandings and stuff like that, where people take advantage that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and there's not much room for advantage play. Did I did I roll an eight on this weapon during my hit location roll against that infantry guy? Yes. Okay. The hit chart says I hit it in the head, and the <laughs> weapon has a 
value of one, and that unit now has two hit points remaining on the head. Two more, and that unit is removed. Um, yeah, I love. I wanted the exploding dice thing, but also I've played games where you have tanks, and the tanks have a single linear hit points tracker. And to me, that didn't feel like, you know, I was shooting at a tank. You know, I'm not yeah. blowing off the weapon. I'm not blowing off the treads. I'm just shooting at, like, a tank, but it's got a single HP tracker like Link from The Legend of Zelda, and <laughs> when the hearts run out, it just yeah, disappears. It. it spins around five times and then explodes. It, it just completely falls apart. That's that's how tanks work. <laughs> that's exactly how tanks work. You know, um, you just throw a grenade at him, you know, after pellet pulling the pin out with your teeth, because that's how <laughs> Rambo does it, you know. <laughs> the human who can 100% survive the pounds of pressure it takes to remove a pin from a grenade, absolutely not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I wanted that feeling. If you've got big, giant robots in a game, you want multiple hit locations, um, and it didn't have to be roll to hit, roll to wound, roll to armor save. Um, in fact, uh, saves are very, I'm not going to say they're rare, but they're not, um, there's about two different units off the top of my head. The Paladin Warlord mech has a shield generator, and that thing runs out of shield generator charges after you, after a while. You know, you roll to save, you don't necessarily negate that damage, you just take it against your shields instead of whatever body part was hit. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the Valkyrie shield maidens, so the support mechs, uh, and those ones I thought were really cool. They're the ones, if you're looking at um, the website... It's got the Valkyrie synth, and she's riding around um, in a frame. Um, and that was a more Masamune Shiro-inspired design, actually. Um, but yeah, no, the the roll-to-hit mechanics was something... I wanted to do something a little different, and I'm talking around in circles here, so I think <laughs> I'll stop right there. And yeah, um, what else? Yeah, with the, uh, uh, also I'm... when you deplete the all uh, the hit points, too, it does it takes different things, take different... Uh, negatives for destroying them, which I think is kind of neat for the mechs, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, blow a leg off, and it has a movement penalty. And you're not really technically blowing the leg off. I'm just notionally, in my in my headcanon, the way it's descri- described is you've now, at this point, degenerated that leg to where it's reduced efficiency. You've regen- uh, depleted the arm or the head to where the cameras are no longer working as they should be. The arm is not as dexterous as it was and you're suffering movement and dice penalties as you get more degraded. Uh, that's made for some fun games. I had a guy at ReaperCon last year. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Uh, Reaper oh, yeah. Miniatures, those... Oh, yeah. We're, we're good friends with John Walker and Kev. Wonderful. Yeah, I know. And ReaperCon is a great convention. Um, I was there last year, and I'll be up there again. The plan is to be up there again this year, you know, um, which is becoming more and more certain as the world uh, returns mm-hmm. gradually back to normal. Um but I had a guy up there, and he was he was playing his Paladin Warlord class mech against, you know, the Oni faction. And the Oni had been bludgeoning this thing, where if you look at one of the Oni mechs, its weapon is literally um, a massive Tetsubo from, made from four cannon barrels, or three cannon <laughs> barrels bolted together. You know, so nice. really playing that, that Oni, um, that whole Oni lore. Since I'm mentioning it, I'll, I'll post a little Instagram link in the chat for you guys to take a look at just that specific one. Uh, and this guy playing the anim, uh, it, first off, it was fun because I watched him dance around the table a few times saying, oh my god, this really feels like mech anime. But 
you know, he had a leg blowing off. He had another leg down to like one hit point remaining. He had an arm blowing off, a head blowing off, but his mech was still <laughs> functioning in fight. And he was vocalizing the scene in his head. He's like, oh my God, my mech is on fire. The cameras are sparking and I'm still fighting. Oh my God, this is cool. It feels like mech anime. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was another thing I was very happy to capture, you know, and to see it uh, in the faces of the playtesters. Yeah, it's amazing with the like you say eight pages of rules. How much how much excitement you can still get out of a game like that's it doesn't take a hundred and something pages or three hundred pages to make a game like that's the beauty of these these kind of games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and no one, everyone I've talked to, I can explain the game and get them playing in a, inside of a minute. <laughs> um, but my whole game designer philosophy has always been just enough, right? Um, you can only fill the human brain with so many things at one point in time. And I have seen, um, I've seen people go beyond the point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to cram a, a ton of stuff in there. You know, I, I have played a game system that I won't name, you know, I'm not going to throw shit because these other game systems I play, I absolutely love them. And I'll, I'll digest a 30 page, 50 page rule book for a good game system. Um, but, I always felt like there was too much going on. You know, I had a 174-page core rulebook um, memorized in 2014. You know, mm-hmm. uh, anyone else who played that same game probably will hear this and be like, yes, I know what game he's talking about. <laughs> and I had, I had a lot of fun with it, but there was stuff in there that just wasn't necessary. You know, I felt like I didn't need to have a universal rule for Overwatch in this game. I could just take the paladin infantry and say hey your tactical ability is this thing you gain the aim token and you spend it at any time to immediately interrupt the action to fire your weapon uh and people read that and they're like oh that's overwatch but what i've spared the you know the the players the end user is having to sift through a 30 page manual for universal keywords like overwatch or universal keywords like save when not everything not every infantry unit in the world of Ignition Corps is trained to fire reactive shots. Not every mech in Ignition Corps uh, relies on shield generators. Not every, you know... So not only can I have all this... Um, cut down the rules drag for my opponents, but I can really portion out these things that might otherwise be universal keywords and give each faction its own little bit of diversity. You know, the Paladin faction is the king of shield generators um, in the fact that their they're big warlord mech, your centerpiece mech, has a really reliable shield generator. And because it's the Paladin, hey, I want to evoke that RPG feel that this shield generator um, extends three squares in all directions, you know, away from, you know, into friendly models. So it can tank off shots so you can fly in formation with your dropship Mm-hmm. Um, because if your opponent wants to think tactically and say, hey, I'm going to stop my opponent from scoring objectives by shooting his dropship out of the sky and forcing his infantry to foot slog, and that's a legitimate tactic. But mm-hmm. the Paladin player might say, hey, my mech is going to fly in formation with my dropship and provide shield buffing for that. Whereas, you know, the Oni faction, they don't have shield generators, but they do have, like, AoE attacks. They've got grenades with splash damage uh their mech if you play the one with the gatling gun it looks at things for too long and they get pulled off the board just from that massive gatling gun you know (laughs) and 
it has its own little reactive abilities. And people love that. You know, AOE, area of effect attacks, is not just a thing that every faction gets, but they get it. Uh, the Valkyrie faction has cool little tactical abilities that say, hey, in your tactical phase, before the action even happens, um, my, my, all my maiden units, my battle maiden, my shield maidens, um, I'm actually working on a sword maiden that I want to release later on, but the, there's a key word that says, hey, maiden, you know, um, I want to say it's, uh, you, you write so many of your own rules, you forget the names to them sometimes, but it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, the spirit of the hunt protocol, where now, hey, every single maiden unit on the table gets to move three squares before the action starts. Or, you know, Spirit of the Raid Protocol, where you don't need to move squares, but you now bake in a few rerolls into those units because they've already made contact with the enemy, and now you want them in there berserking with, you know, an axe or a spear or whatever they're armed with. You know, the Valkyries being a very melee-heavy faction. You know, ra shoot a few railguns from a sh across the table, but then get stuck in with um, axes and spears and lances and, you know, just... I really think if you keep that core rulebook simple, you just explain to players how to get through a battle round and at what time you do what things. Um, you can put all the nuance into the individual data sheets and have a really, really fun game that has a lot of nuance that doesn't have a lot of rules drag. Yeah, especially you only have to remember what your faction can do or your specific uh, model, so you don't have to read all about what everybody else is doing to you. <laughs> exactly. You know, you'll learn that through through, um, you'll learn that the hard, painful way through playing games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Little shenanigans happen. Um, I mean, the Nephilim faction is the most uh, tricksy faction because they're insurgents. They move in and out of the shadows. You know, they have special rules where if you fire at their infantry, they can roll d10s, and for each result of an eight or nine, they can move a square react uh, reflexively, and if it moves them out of line of sight of the attack, hey those little guys maybe came out of the shadows to claim an objective and were able to slip back into the shadows just as fast. Um, their trade-off is none of their mechs fly. Their dropship flies, but everything else has to run around on foot, you know, scurrying through kind of the, what would you call it, the undergrowth of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah that, was a, that was a very purposeful, calculated decision. Um, the other thing with that, and this is just informed by years of wargaming, is every... Every round has a reinforcement phase. So um, if you looked at it closely, you'll notice everything comes back. Um, I was just going to ask that because I didn't see in the rules other than the, the reinforcement phase. So do any models that you've lost just come back during the reinforcement phase? Every, everything comes back in the reinforcement phase. Uh, that includes your Big Mac. That includes your pilot. Um, that's not for free. If you lose... Um, if every so once you get into the mission packs, you'll see that there's uh, secondary objectives. So if I wipe out all of my opponent's infantry in a single battle round, um, I get the headhunter secondary objective, and I get a I get a victory point for that. On top of that, uh, you don't win the game by killing models. Essentially, exclusively, you win it by claiming tactical objectives. So if I've shot all your infantry off the battlefield and they were holding objectives and now you return them to play starting in your deployment zone, you know, you basically, just like um, just like playing Call of Duty online, Halo online, you've gone back to a spawn location and you have to reclaim the ground you've got. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing I've found, and I have a philosophy, in it, so the main reason I wanted that, that reinforcement step phase 
is I've played too many games where there's a tipping point, right? Um, it's a five. It's a game of five battle rounds, let's say, but by round two or three, the tides have turned. This the uh, everything is slipped, and one player is getting the runaway victory because they had a really good shooting phase. Uh, they got fire superiority on their opponent, and now you're just spending the rest of the time playing catch up because. You know, now I'm operating with 60% of what I started with. My opponent has 100% of what they started with. It's turn, It's the bottom of turn one, and this game is just going to progressively get worse for one player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is I made sure that this game had... So, the, so I wanted that to not be a factor, and I've succeeded in that. I've seen games that one turn goes horribly for one player, but they've been able to turn it around, and usually the game is a very, very close score. You know, it's a like nine to ten, or seven to eight points, or three to five points. Um, the reinforcement phase also allows me to say, okay, in other games, playing a longer game means buying more miniatures, right? Mm-hmm. I want to play a longer game, or have three thousand points of miniatures instead of two thousand points to get through to make five battle rounds longer. For mine, if there's a reinforcement phase, you just play more battle rounds. Um, You know, three battle rounds is great for introducing this game. I think it really shines when two versed players are playing it at five battle rounds. And if you're that dude that just is absolutely masochistic about playing a Day Slayer game, like seven battle rounds will... um, (laughs) Seven battle rounds will eat up the majority of your afternoon. (laughs) I put those to the standards, three rounds, five rounds, and seven. And if you're just one of those people that wants to play until the wee hours of the morning, hey, homebrew and play 15 battle rounds if that's your thing. Like, you don't need to go and... You don't need to spend $500 or $1,000 on plastic miniatures. You know, I I built this so eight eight miniatures is the whole set. Uh, I've got armored fire teams as low as as $99, giving you everything. Uh, some get up a little higher because of certain models, you know, like some of the more boutique, the more dynamically posed models require me to use more expensive casting methods. Yeah. But even then, like, the books are free, the scenarios are free. You can print out the, the terrain on the website, on the cardstock for free. Just go to Rules and Downloads, print off the terrain. Um, and you can see from some of the images, there are some pretty cool-looking, um, colorful buildings. Um mm-hmm. You can buy my $45, you know, neoprene mat on the website, but all the missions are designed to fit on a basic Weddy Race Pathfinder mat, you know, uh, because they all fit in a 24 by 30 um, grid, you know, grid map. So if you, if you play Pathfinder or you have any kind of, like, Pathfinder or Dungeons & Dragons um, mats that can accommodate at least 24 by 30 squares, that's one less thing to worry about buying. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, I, I know of very few miniatures games, miniatures, boutique wargaming style games where a hundred to $150 and you're done. You've bought your faction. Um, I know a lot of games where that's just the books, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. First box of miniatures to fill out one of 10 battlefield roll slots. So, so yeah, I want to be, so well, anyway. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I did have one question. Yeah. Uh, with the the fire teams, I'm looking at the rules and I'm looking at the the packs that you got, and 
I guess would the bare minimum just be the the regular fire team with the four infantry, uh, the two support mechs, the big mech, and the the big transport? I would guess you would call it. Yes. Uh, so that is pretty. Because much- there's a complete, and then there's a regular, and the complete gives you looks like two more figures. So there is a completionist set that I did for one, um, and all that is is it gives you. So most of the character, most of the, so we're looking at the Nephilim Insurgent Armored Fire Team complete. So all that one does is it gives you a hero character. You know, there's an optional play mode where you can add heroes in. And heroes do things like you add in a mechanic or you add in a sniper or you add in. Um, so if you look at the Ignition Core Paladin versus Oni bundle and you see the our, you know, our iconic, uh, our mascot, Rosie, the mechanic girl with the massive wrench. Mm-hmm. She's an optional model. Um, when I offer complete bundles, it's, hey, here's everything for that faction. You know, you're still playing a complete game when you play the armored fire team, which is the the eight models total. Um, your mech, your pilot, your dropship, your two support mechs, and your three infantry. That's both basically the minimum and maximum fire team. Uh, if you want to customize, you know, um, I'm working on the next run of models. So I'll actually post another link here in a second. So I'm I'm actually sending the, – the first link I'm sending you right now is to the battle report that uh, a friend of mine and I filmed. So if people want to watch this played, you know, you can link them to that battle report. It's actually pretty good quality, and it's just me and a friend of mine. Uh, he filmed battle reports for other game systems and wanted to help me out with mine. But the future releases, um, you get those eight miniatures, you've bought your fire team. Um, if you want to play with heroes, those are optional roles that add a new dynamic. The standard is just have one hero per side. So you really only creep up to nine models at that point. Gotcha. In future customization, so I'm putting another Instagram link in here. You can see the missile launcher girl. Um, she is just designed to be substituted out for one of the Gatling gun um, characters from the Paladin faction. So each faction is going to get their alternate weapon loadouts. And rather than having points values, I've just said, here are the slots. Every fire team gets a pilot slot, which is your pilot and the mech that they pilot into battle. Uh, Two support slots, three infantry slots, and a transport slot. And the idea of this is, you know, if you played anything that's been around for a while that has points values, there's always like, what do I want to call it? Like a power creep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some games, the power creep is pretty tightly regulated. Other games, it just turns outright broken, uh, especially <laughs> as players figure out ways to like manipulate the power creep. Uh, my goal is to keep this a living rule set and to keep it slot based. Um, that way, if there's power creep, it can be very tightly adjusted and no one ever feels like, well, I like fa- I like the the only faction, but now I have to go out and buy the Valkyrie faction because I'm not going to win if I don't play this faction. You know, I yeah. want to nip that bud. Um, very, you know, there's I'm very feedback oriented. You know, if you click if you click any of the rules, you'll see that or not the rules, the faction data cards. You'll see there's a list of dates and patches of things that I've adjusted just to keep the balance finely tuned. So. I know that was a long answer to a short question. Uh, no, it actually it, <laughs> it makes good. sense because uh, I just did notice that the, the, the it was slotted um, in the in the rules. Uh, oh yeah, 
Yeah, the slots, any any fire team that you buy on here fills every slot. Um, right. um, if you click on the hero cards under rules and downloads, it just basically gives you the additional optional extras for heroes. Um, I may need to update my FAQ. I, I have to check on myself here because it, it's funny. Like When you do something like this, any game creator has 100 ideas in their head at any time. And if they can get to 5% of their ideas, they are winning at life. So, you know, there's about, for every three ideas I get out there, there's 97 others rattling around. Um, the one thing I've found is the more and more I do this, the more I run into people that are completionists. Mm-hmm. So this game wasn't meant to, basically, it wasn't meant to be a completionist game. It was, hey, buy your faction, get your eight models, get on the table, have fun. And don't break the bank um, chasing the meta or, you know, trying to buy everything. But there are some people that are like, no, oh, yeah, you've got, I got it. And so I made some of those sets where I put completionist in there. So if you look at one of the Valkyrie sets, um, yeah, I can't I called it the completionist or if I just had three tiers of sets. No, and, your Nephilim was complete fire team. The Paladin Freelance is a completionist set. So in that completionist set, now, there is a small misnomer in there because there's two versions of the Paladin Warlord mech, and I may need to um, amend that and put both in. But this one has every hero. Let me double-check that. I think it does. You, it actually is missing. I'm keeping myself honest here. Uh, it has every single basic infantry currently available, and then it's got... It has the heroes that were available at the time that I launched this. Gotcha. But now there's an additional hero, an additional mech for that faction. Uh, coming soon, there is a... Um, that rocket launcher girl is going into this faction as well. So this one here, I actually need to get back in and update. But <laughs> and, and if you look at my web store, you can tell that I'm a one-man operation because everything's a little bit all over the place. I'd like to think it's fairly well-organized. But, yeah, there, there's there's quite a bit going on here, and at some point, you know, I have to slow down and redo this website. But, <laughs> yeah, if you buy a, an armored fire team off the website, you've bought everything you need to play that faction in a game that is full-size. It's not like you're playing a watered-down watered version of Ignition Core. English escapes me a little bit here. <laughs> uh, Did you do a male and female fire uh, version fire team for every all four of the factions? Uh, I didn't, actually. The two main um, military superpowers in this are the Oni faction and the Paladin faction. And you can delve into their lore a little bit more. Um, but they have 100% um, male and female representation across the spectrum. Um, the Valkyrie faction is all girls. Um, I thought about doing some kind of, like, all-male version um, that follows Viking lore. You know, like maybe the Jotnar mm-hmm. faction, but <laughs> I just haven't gotten to that. And I've noticed people prefer the females over the males, um, <laughs> you know, more, you know, generally speaking, um, sure. you know, maybe that's Games Workshop's fault for not delivering on Sisters of Battle for so long. Well. You know, a lot of came over and the female version, the female models are more popular than the males. I think uh, that's just across the board, really. Yeah, it, it, it could be. I mean, I, I think female characters tend to be more fun to design and female miniatures tend to just be more like interesting miniatures um 
the Nephilim faction, if you look at it, it's co-ed, so it's a mixture of male and female, so you will have male and female miniatures um, in your faction if you once you fill all your slots, but there isn't a thing of everything has a female and a male counterpart. But with the Nephilim faction, I mean, part of the intent with that is to capture that they are not a major military superpower. Uh, they are offer, they're operating in small cells. Um, they've got what they've They've got what they've got. So, you know, their swordsman is a male, their caster is a female, and then their gunner's a female, and then they've got a dark paladin infantry guy who's a male. So they're a small unit. They're eclectic. Um, they don't have matching uniforms. You look at their big mech, and, you know, I kind of borrowed from Gundam Double Zero. You remember Exia Repair at the very start of Season 2 where it comes out and its arms blowing off? and It's, it's, <laughs> it's in a rough you know, way. <laughs> it's in a rough... Yeah, so this Warlord mech has its uh, its right arm blown off with a tarp um, kind of bolted on, you know, like this, which gives it a very roguish look. But it also tells you, hey, this is a faction that is operating with what they've got, which is limited gear and it's broken gear. And it's a ragtag group of people. So that also was a little bit of a throwback to the JRPG where you have the ragtag party, you know, down to, hey, one of the characters has a massive sword. <laughs> one of them is using like a ball to basically siphon off the fusion power to do casting things. And then one of them is, you know, the rogue girl with the, uh, uh, the dual canister rifles. And, hey, we've got another big sword hero in the Dark Paladin. You know, that's a little bit more of a knight flavor than the other swordsman who's a bit more of a rogue flavor, you know. Um, I mean, Ignition Core, if you look at the whole thing, the whole thing has its influences from growing up on the fantasy-based JRPG. I mean, the, the titular, you know, the or not titular, that's the wrong word, uh, the signature mech of the, the series, you know, is, is the Paladin Warlord class mech. It's got the big Crusader shield with the Crusader's cross on it. It is there for... You know, I'll own that. I am that shameless guy that anytime um, a fantasy game is being played, I want to play the Paladin. So, <laughs> you know, I've written my character into kind of the main, like, poster child role in this, say, the Paladin Warlord class mech. So, you know, that's something that a lot of people that play fantasy games have appreciated is that there's little nods to, like, fantasy RPGs tucked away in there, too. Yeah, very yeah, much so. You're hitting it on all the cylinders there. <laughs> Uh, you also said that uh, you have a coupon code for our listeners too, right? I sure do. And let me get into my dashboard here because I want to – I'm fairly certain I sent that to you. Yep. But let <laughs> my dashboard to make sure I don't um, misspell this or anything. I want to say it's Mobile Armor Radio. It is all one word. Uh, do capitals matter? Or? I don't think capitals matter. Let me let me get into the and I should have had this pulled up. This is poor organization on me. <laughs> no worries. But hey, anyone listening, um, yeah, here it is. Um, mobile armor radio, all one word. I have capitalized each word. Ten um, percent off all products. This coupon code does not expire. So anyone nice. listening in that wants to lunch on ignition core, uh, there's no minimum order. And it applies to your entire order, and it does not expire. Uh, mobile Armor Radio, all one word, capitalized each word. Um, I'm sure you guys will link it in the description, too, so that Absolutely. they can copy-paste. For sure. And, yeah, order. Um, get in on it um, and save yourself a little bit of money going in. Definitely. It's uh, rules are free. You just buy the models. Models look great. 
the rules are nice and concise. Uh, and they look like they'd be really fun to paint too. Like that's yeah, I do actually. That's what I, I was looking at. That's why I'm glad it's on the on the acceptable side of, of the chibi size head for me because I really want to paint them. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is the other thing. Every infantry model is unique. No, no two look the yeah. same. And if you've ever painted fifty identical space yeah, marines, exactly. oh, yeah. out, you know. Hopefully that's something that um, speaks to people, like the low model count nature of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have batch painted um, dozens and dozens of miniatures in short amounts of time, and it can become a chore. Uh, I really hope pe- with eight miniatures to make a full team, people can really just take their time um, and enjoy the journey of uh, uh, getting a fully painted armored fire team to the table. Yeah, we look forward Excellent. to uh, people posting some uh, painted miniatures once they... Once they jump on this, hopefully you get get some people joining in. Uh, well, yeah. yes, Will, yeah, it's been good talking to you. We've uh, kept you longer than we've meant to, but uh, it was good to hear about it's the game. Good. And uh, we I'll do want to hear <laughs> when you uh, get new stuff, for sure, come back on and we can discuss any of the uh, expansions, plus the RPG, which I'm very excited about. So, uh, yeah. Like excited, and you're and you're more than welcome to to post announcements of your own in in the uh, the Mobile Armor Radio group on Facebook. Uh, we always welcome that, and and like-minded folks will uh, will definitely join in there. Well, thanks again, Will, and now on to the Xville. What's Xville out here? Welcome to the Xville. That was a great interview with Will. Yeah, he's very, very energetic. Exact. Yes. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> and again. Game sounds great. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah. We looked at the rules. We talked about it. Uh, thank God the models are on on my acceptable side of chibiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it funny. looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does look, and the and the miniatures do look great. And I'm like, oh man, do I need more miniatures? <laughs> yes. I yes, mean, man. I want to paint them. If anything, I want to paint them. That's for sure. Like, I hope he does mm-hmm. go to Adepticon next year because then for sure I will get it. That is not a question. I'll be yeah. buying it at Adepticon. <laughs> So, so we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he makes it to the adept guns. Uh, I'm that's... Sure he, he could definitely get out there. Maybe we can introduce him to the rib, uh, ribo, the robo giga, giga robo guy, and they could share a booth. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, please check out our Facebook page. That's where the most activity is, I think, now. You may hate Facebook, but it's a fun community. Just ignore everything else there. And yeah. just, go, just get Facebook just for mobile arm radio. That's right. Don't don't look at anything else. Join yeah. the join the group and hit the bell, <laughs> and that's all you'll see. Ding. Um. Yeah. Other than that, we have Discord. It's we. I put some stuff in there, but it's not super active. It's, we were talking about actually the uh, the Robotech Kickstarter in that Facebook group. Uh, yeah, you can see what everybody's opinion is there, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if you have any other questions or you're another small company who wants to talk about their game on our show, please do email us at mobilearmorradio at gmail.com and get a hold of us because uh, we love it. We love talking to these small companies, getting people excited about uh, games other than the big ones. So Yeah, and, and it's good to get more get mech games out there because, like we said in the interview, there's just not a lot of mech games out there. Yeah, it's not it's not crazy filled up uh, space, but it it is becoming like more and more things like like this. It's where people see a, a niche or the kind of game they want to play, and they make the game. And like Will obviously has gone above and beyond. A lot of guys make the PDF or make the you know make a a drive through RPG link to a to a game, but he's actually made miniatures, which is yeah. That's that's the next step, step up. up. Like, yeah, 
because a lot of people 100 like, yeah like we said last episode it's or the episode before it was miniature agnostic games you you know you can uh that's easy to to make your own game that way but to actually make your own miniatures that's 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 not easy especially make them cool looking like that too so good on them uh <laughs> anything else guys uh check out dead zone the podcast with brian and rick you oh yeah pre- <laughs> monthly show pretty much monthly have they if not more yep. often yep Yep, we'll be coming out uh, right before this episode. <laughs> yeah, always trying to steal our thunder. And uh, <laughs> Pat and I are with our buddy Jack on Dragon's Tome Radio. If you're interested in old school D&D and, and Dragon Magazine, we're going through every issue chronologically, and it's a fun time. And uh, we make fun of the 70s a lot, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even so much that we make fun of the 70s, but it, the, the, what I find very entertaining is we're watching the evolution of RP role-playing Every issue, yeah. we, we're finding something new, and things are changing, and you're seeing where all of this comes from. Yeah. Also, it's also funny seeing the letters page and how things have not changed too much. We just It's a different <laughs> medium, but uh, the same same idea of people uh, <laughs> pitching and moaning. same angle. It, <laughs> yeah. just took, it just took weeks to get printed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, fun times. It is uh, a video podcast on YouTube. Just look up the Dragon's Tome. And, uh, yeah. Other than that, we'll be back next month for an exciting episode. I've been Rob. I've been Brian. And I've been Chopper. Bye-bye. Good night, everybody. We'll see you later. Are you going to sing us out, Pat? Mm, what can I sing? I don't know. I, you see, I got that song out of my head now. Hit me, baby, one oh, more time. Yeah, but I got that song out of my head now, so now I, my need, I, I need a new song to replace it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian, 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 Brian just sucked us out. Yeah, yeah, there you go. This has been Mobile Armor Radio. Join our Facebook group by searching for Mobile Armor Radio. Find us on Twitter at MArmorRadio. Find us on iTunes and visit our website, MobileArmorRadio.podbean.com. Join us on the first of every month for more mecha discussion. I'm directed to you because you know that I'm toxic. You're toxic? <laughs> oh, fuck. Pat, are oh. you toxic? <laughs> Hello? Hello. Can you, can you hear us? I can hear you now. Brian you got your Britney on? Your to- yeah, if you're toxic. I don't even know where that came out of my mouth. It just was sitting, just came out like what the fuck. Well, I was recording, so it's 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 for all posterity's sake now. That's all right.